0: The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at FIRST.io
1: and I think what's so important is that agents don't necessarily they think a lot about inbound referrals and getting referrals but they don't necessarily think about referrals beyond the client moving to a different part of the country and that's why it's so important for us to provide these resources for agents because in this day and age where inventory is so tight and it's so challenging to get sufficient business in your own market you really need to work every contact in order to get a sufficient amount of business to be successful. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 161 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and telling a friend and leaving a review and a rating and all those things I ask you for every week. I appreciate it. It makes a huge difference and it uh, makes it easier for for me to continue doing what I do here, which is really trying to find out where people come from and how they end up in our world, in the real estate world. And, And Today's guest is Lisa Fettner. She's the Vice President of Marketing with Referral Exchange. And I'm going to be really honest, I, I knew about Referral Exchange, I kind of had a sense of what they what they do, and I've seen them at many events around the country, but I got a chance to, to listen to Lisa on another podcast and really understand the opportunity this company presents for realtors. So it's going to be fun to talk about, first of all, how Lisa got there, and second, what Referral Exchange does for realtors. So Lisa, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: You're welcome. I, I, like I said, I, I love talking to people who, my guess is, weren't thinking about a career in the world of real estate when they were, say, 15 years old. Am I Do I have that part right?
1: Yes, that's exactly right. I was uh, wanting to be an actress. I think
0: at fifteen years old. Oh, we we might or a
1: pilot. I don't think I could decide. I was either going to be a pilot or an actress—one
0: of the two. Those you can't get too—you can't get very much further apart on the spectrum of careers, right? (laughs) to pilot, like that. But but I I know a little bit about you. I know I believe you grew up in the Midwest, right? Is that uh, do I have that part right? I did. Yeah,
1: I did. I actually I grew up in Ames, Iowa, but I also grew up in California, kind of at the same time. My father was a university professor with Iowa State University, and he taught astrophysics. So he was an astrophysicist, and then he would work at NASA Ames during the summer. So every summer, we would pack up the station wagon and drive to Palo Alto, and we lived in Palo Alto every summer from the time that I was in kindergarten until the year that I graduated high school.
0: There had to be good and bad parts of that. One is you're leaving all your friends behind, but I'm, I'm guessing maybe your mom or dad let a friend come every now and then to hang out. But talk about that that duality. Was that Did you enjoy it or did it get old?
1: It was just really different. Okay. Because Iowa and California were very different places at the time. I can uh, say with absolute certainty that the Chinese food in California was much better than the Chinese food in Iowa. Okay. and yes, and so it was just really different, and my parents were die hard New Yorkers that had never been west of the Mississippi River pretty much before they moved to the to the midwest, so even after living there for twenty years, they were still considered New Yorkers to a certain extent, but it was a university town and it was a really fun town to grow up in. It was that proverbial Midwest town where you rode your bike out at the beginning of the day and you just had to be home for dinner. So it was a really fun upbringing, but then going to California was always very challenging. Although I became really good at making friends and very good at being able to just go up to someone I didn't know and introduce myself, which has really helped with my career down the line. In in some ways, I was almost a a military brat in some ways because we moved back and forth. But I also had friends in both locations. And everyone knew that we always lived in the same house during the summer. And, you know, I, I had friends in both places.
0: It's funny that, that that Northern California, Iowa connection continues on, right? Because I know, first of all, uh, Iowa's or Ames Iowa's home for Iowa State. You mentioned your father was a professor there. So mm-hmm. cyclones, they're always kind of lost in the shadow of the Hawkeyes, right? When it comes to sports and things. Yeah. But you you decide, nah, dad, I'm not going I'm not gonna go to college where you are, but I'm going you got me hooked on Northern California. I'm gonna go to Cal. So how did how did that come up? How did that come about?
1: Well Actually, I didn't start out at Cal. I started out at McGill University in Montreal because since my father was a professor, he, when I was in middle school, when I was 13, he actually did a sabbatical in Belgium. So he packed up our family and we went and lived in Europe for a year. And I learned French because I had to. And when I It was time for me to graduate high school and figure out where I wanted to go. I I really didn't want to stay in Iowa. I wanted to go someplace fun and different. And I looked at Berkeley, but I also found out about McGill in Montreal. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be a really fun place to go? I could speak French, but I could still take classes in English. So I actually did my freshman year at McGill. And when I got there, the Quebec law government had lost a lot of funding because they were French only, their their language was primarily French. And they cut a lot of the courses that were out there. So by the time I had graduated high school, I decided I still couldn't decide. And I was either going to go into medicine and be pre-med or I was going to do communications and broadcasting. Again, very different careers, I couldn't decide which one. Right. And when I got there, they, they cut out all their communications courses at McGill. So I really had to focus and do pre-med for a year. And that was really all it took for me to realize that probably pre-med was not the best course of action for me. And so I transferred to Berkeley. So I kind of got to Cal in a very roundabout way. At the same time, my parents, who had been commuting back and forth for all these summers and winters, uh, decided that I was – my. I think what happened was I was suddenly as old. As the students that my dad was teaching, and he decided that maybe it was time for a change. So, the year I graduated high school, they actually moved to
0: California.
1: And I can always say that I started the whole thing by going to Berkeley, but we really kind of moved at the same time.
0: <laughs> so, did, were they in Northern California somewhere as well then?
1: Yes, we all kind of did the Iowa Exodus
0: <laughs> with, when I graduated high school. With a lot of other people. Uh, Because I'm not not to say anything bad about Iowa, but a lot of people that grew up in Iowa decide I want to try something different. Right. That's just the way it is.
1: Well, exactly. But it's really interesting how many of my friends who I grew up with went away to college, but went back home to live. I mean, it is a a really wonderful state. And Ames was a really fun town to grow up in. It was a typical farm town, but at the same time, it's also a university town. And growing up in a university town is really fun and unique, which I didn't realize until I moved away from it. But it's a really different pulse and and energy when most of your friends' parents are professors. Just gives you a different perspective on the world, I think.
0: Right. So you still live in Northern California, correct?
1: I do. I live in Oakland.
0: Oakland, okay. So you stayed right there, right near campus. That's awesome.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You graduate from Cal with a you mentioned a degree in communications, broadcasting, or journalism. What was your first mm-hmm. job? Job out of college?
1: Originally I was going to go into journalism. I really wanted to do television or radio journalism. And it was great. When I went to Cal at the time, they were allowing undergrads to take classes at the Graduate School of Journalism which was awesome. So I was able to graduate because the communications department wasn't very big at the time, having taken probably about 10 graduate journalism classes. The challenge that I had was when I was in my 20s, it sounded like I was about 12 years old when I was on the radio. (laughs) And if I wanted to get a career before I turned 30, I needed to come up with something else. So I had a friend who, was in advertising and was an account coordinator at an advertising agency. And I went and shadowed her one day and thought, oh, this looks really fun. And ended up getting a job at McCann Erickson in Los Angeles on the Century 21 real estate account. Back before Century 21 was part of Realogy and when
0: they still wore gold coats. Wow. In a way, that's your uh, that was your first introduction to the world of real estate, right?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it was a great adventure. I was, I ended up being in charge of all of the, uh, of a lot of the field marketing and advertising for Century Twenty One Real Estate, and we were able to do some really fun, interesting, and and creative things. At the same time, the gold Coast, One of my claims, I have two claims, claims to fame of working on the Century Twenty One account uh, was one. I worked on getting the Century 21 sign in the Field of Dreams movie. So next time you happen to watch Field of Dreams, look at the very opening credits of the movie, and you'll see that uh, the house that Kevin Costner buys with his wife, the farmhouse, Mm -hmm. uh, was bought with a Century 21 agent. So there's a Century 21 sign in that movie. Product placement uh, early
0: on. I love it.
1: Yeah, early one of the earliest product placements. It was really fun. And then the my second claim to fame is that when I worked on the Century 21 business, one of the commercials that we shot was a commercial of a whole bunch of agents lifting a house in the air. And they required so many extras that they ended up shooting the commercial in Spain. So we ended up having to get To ship yard signs, gold posts, and probably about 300 century 21 gold coats to Spain. The challenge was was that those gold coats were polyester. And on the old TV screens, this was before HGTV, when you would film those gold coats, they would create a moray pattern because of the the pattern of the polyester. So there was one mill that made wool gold coats and i think we completely used up their entire stock of of gold dyed wool to get all those gold coats to stain.
0: now i gotta look, that's gotta be on youtube somewhere i'll find it that's oh. awesome i love that I,
1: I know i'm gonna have to look for it yeah. yeah look for the i'm trying to remember the year that it was but look for the the commercial of people lifting the century 21 house off the ground
0: well, I know Field of Dreams, by the way, is my favorite movie of all time. Um, so, Isn't that fabulous? Yeah. Movie? Oh my gosh. And so, and I've been to Dyersville, Iowa. My wife and I, on a trip to Chicago, made a side trip to Dyersville just so I could go to the field. And I have a couple. Oh, wow. oh I have a couple of years of corn. I bought some dirt. I bought some other stuff. <laughs> I, pitched, <laughs> I pitched to some kids who were hitting, you know, into the cornfield. It, it's an amazing place. It's a beautiful, and that's you know Dyersville, Iowa, right? Uh, unbelievable. As far as placing that in the movie. Did was there how to can you talk more about that? I'm just gonna be fanboy here about my favorite movie. How does that happen?
1: People were starting to do a little bit of product placement, but not a ton. Right. And somehow someone called me and they sent me the script. And now I'm picking myself because I wish I'd saved the script. And it was really inexpensive. It was about ten thousand dollars, if I remember correctly, which of course back in the eighties seemed like a lot of money, but really if you think about it, wasn't wasn't a whole lot of money, and the Century Twenty One people were excited, so it was a really fun project
0: to work on. Yeah, and C Twenty One has done a ton with baseball uh, throughout the years, right? They've been heavily involved with Major League Baseball, so it was an, a nice tie-in. It worked out pretty well, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. There were some challenges; We didn't, but we made it work. And uh, the Century Twenty One agents in that area were really excited. I kept trying to convince the production company that I needed to go to Iowa to watch the filming, but they never let me.
0: <laughs> nice try, every nice.
1: time you see that movie and I see the Century 21 sign, it, it brings back very happy, pleasant memories about okay.
0: it. So you, you, through your career now, you end up you end up um, working for a couple of different lenders in marketing roles, right? And I'm sure that had, mm-hmm. to, had to be a, kind of these definitely set you up for what you're doing now with referral exchange, right?
1: Well, exactly. I've really bounced around between real estate, financial services, and technology. So after I left McCann Erickson, we moved up to the to Northern California and I ended up working for Young and Rubicam again at an advertising agency working with the franchise uh, marketing group at Chevron. So working with all the the gas stations at Chevron and then decided that I really wanted to go client-side. Working for an advertising agency is super fun, but it's also kind of like being a real estate agent in that you're really at the beck and call of your clients. And when they need you to do something, they might call you up on a Friday afternoon and say, I need this done by Monday. You have to do it. And I had a young child at the time. So I thought, I'll try and go client side. So I ended up working for uh, handling the mortgage marketing for a, a financial institution called American Savings Bank, which eventually merged with Washington Mutual. And I affectionately say that if it starts with a W and it's a bank, I broke there. <laughs> so American Savings Bank merged with Washington Mutual and then after being there for a number of years, I decided I lived in the heart of the Bay Area. Maybe I should work for a software company and, and learn some technology. And so I ended up working for a software company for a while. Then I ended up going back to World Savings Bank and handling their mortgage marketing there for a number of years. And they, of course, merged with Wachovia, and then they were merged with Wells. And at the time, they wanted me to transfer to North Carolina, but I had teenagers at that time. And I thought, well, maybe it's a good time to go back into technology. So I went back to another tech company. Then I ended up running marketing for a credit union. And then referral exchange came calling. And it really has been, it's kind of the culmination of everything that I've worked on, because I'm back in real estate, which I love. And mortgage was a support to that, but I'm also doing technology, which is really fun as well. Right. So I feel like everything that I've learned set me up for this position here.
0: I want to talk about referral exchange because as I as I dug deeper into it, it seems you know I've, the, this the term I I keep hearing are these network platforms, right? Like Uber and uh, Airbnb, where you've got you know people that have houses that need tenants, and you have people with cars that have time to drive who need you know people that need rides. And it seems like referral exchange is like a place where agents can go that need to find other agents that'll t- treat their customers right. So is that kind of the, am I, am I on track with that for what referral exchange does?
1: That's pretty good, you're hired. Um, actually, <laughs> we're kind of like the eHarmony or match.com of agent client data, so like whether that. you're an agent, or a consumer, or a partner, and you have clients who are moving to a different part of the country, or you have leads that you're not following up on for any reason, it's amazing how creative our agents get with our service. What we do is we match the client to the absolute best agent who fits their specific needs. We always say that we are a people company powered by technology because there's a lot of human thought and activity that goes into the process, but it's really the technology underneath that makes it possible for us to keep that humanity going. Right. And I think that's what makes us a little bit different from some of the just Uber apps and things like that, is that that people component is... Is critical and very important to us in, in being successful in and, and what we do. And I think that's because at the end of the day, really what truly makes a great real estate agent is someone who has great relationships and, and people skills. And what we want to do is, is foster that and do that on a broader scale, technological
0: level, so to speak. Right. How long have you been with referral exchange now?
1: I've been with Referral Exchange five years yesterday, actually. Oh. September 10th was my, my first day. So uh, one day over five years. And it's been a really exciting time. When I started, the company was just doing consumer direct referrals. So consumers would come to us on our consumer site. They would let us know where they were going. We would match them with three agents from our network and then we would do all the follow up to make sure that the process went smoothly. And when I joined the company, they had thought that it was time to open an agent to agent component of the service. The company had been in business since 2005. What would happen was agents would put their names into the service because they had clients who were moving and they had there weren't any resources for them to find a good agent agent for that client so they were using our service before we started the agent to agent piece We thought well this is a great idea let's start the agent to agent piece and that's how the referral exchange component was born and then we ended up merging everything under one name right after about a year and a half
0: looking around on the referral exchange.com website i found a place where you actually provide ideas for agents to help them grow that referral network uh, like I'm a massive fan of providing information and being knowledgeable. And that's how you develop raving fans for who you are. And I'm assuming that's where you're going with that. Am I am I on track again?
1: Absolutely. Well, what we do is, as I mentioned, if, a, if an agent has a client who's moving to a different part of the country or a lead, they're not following up on any reason, we'll match them with three agents from our network. And we really try and make the perfect match. So we don't want to match a first-time buyer with an agent who only handles move-up buyers. If we have a first-time buyer, we want to make sure that we're matching to an agent who specializes in first-time buyers. And it's really fun to read the notes of what the agents put in the notes when they're sending in a referral. So it's all about really connecting them with either an agent just like them, which agents have put in the notes. I want an agent just like me or with someone who's really gonna fit their specific needs. This is a senior, they're downsizing, they really need an agent who's gonna be gentle with them. Or this person wants an ACE negotiator to help them get the best deal. And we'll try and and make sure that we're matching based on price point, area, neighborhood served, all sorts of things like that. And I think what's so important is that agents don't necessarily they think a lot about inbound referrals and getting referrals, but they don't necessarily think about referrals beyond the client moving to a different part of the country. And that's why it's so important for us to provide these resources for agents because in this day and age where inventory is so tight and it's so challenging to get sufficient business in your own market, you really need to work every contact in order to get a sufficient amount of business to be successful. And what we say is that making referrals a part of your business plan can help turn a good year into a great year. Because really, there's an opportunity to expand your, I, I call it the expanded sphere of influence. So, to speak, mm-hmm. you can still focus on your local market and be successful at what you do, but there's definitely opportunities for you to do business in other ways. And whether it's with our referral network or another referral network, in this day and age, you have to be able to offer that service to anyone who asks because that's expected. I often use the example of, of when I was a child and I opened my first bank account in Ames, Iowa, in the Grand Avenue Mall. And I opened up my first checking account. There was a little bank in the mall. And when I left for college, I closed that account and I opened up a new account in California once I moved there. And if you think about banking these days, you would never do that. You would just Continue with the with the same bank account you always have, because we've we've gone nationwide. Those those boundaries don't really exist anymore. Right. So just like you would never consider about getting a new bank account, I think people often make the assumption that an agent can help them, even if they're moving to a different state. So today it's really critical whether you you join um, a Coaching networks, there are lots of great coaching networks out there, and, and they have networks. Whether you join a NAR affiliation such as CRS, they have a really strong network. The key is to be able to offer that service to anyone. I also think that agents don't think about other referral opportunities in their daily course of business. They need to think when they get a prospective client in who may be selling or buying a home in a different market or from a different market to ask for that other side of the business. It doesn't mean that they're gonna be handling it, but they should turn that into a referral opportunity and be the resource to that client. So that's one way that we have some agents who are thinking differently about referral.
0: You know, the whole idea of making it a part of the business plan, you know, having intentional activities that are designed To grow this part of the business, which will never, you know, be bigger than their local stuff, but it can make a difference, right?
1: Absolutely. So we do a survey every year, and all the resources that you mentioned can be found on our site, referralexchange.com. And just click on the resources tab and you'll see an e guide which has a lot of different referral tips. We have a referral planner that you can use to make to integrate referrals more seamlessly into your business. But we also do a survey every year of our agents. And they're pretty expert agents and they are doing quite a bit of referral business. So it's also good to read the survey just to kind of see what the experts are doing. And even those agents, in my mind, are not doing enough outbound referral business. And we have found that of the agents who we surveyed, we surveyed 1,800 agents uh, last year and 42% of them earn anywhere from 10, an additional 10 dollars to $50,000 a year in their referral business. And they're actually receiving about nine referrals a year from inbound referrals. But 60% said that they send out less than five referrals every year. So if you think about if you just did one or two more referrals, how that could really help your bottom line or even 50% more of the outbound referrals. And once you start thinking about it, we have, we have one agent in Texas and she's been using the service for many years now. And she says that her friends of friends of friends now know that she can connect them with another agent wherever she is. So she describes it kind of like potato chips. You can't just eat or submit one. But once you get started putting them into the system, it, it actually gets really fun. Because you put it in and it gets matched to an agent, and you end up with a check without doing any work unless you want to
0: yeah, that's great. I love that I'm sure you're you're VP of marketing, so let's talk about how social media has you know created this I think massive opportunity for agents to continue to grow their network. What are some of the ways that you know referral exchange handles social when you're talking to your customers
1: we like to tell stories when we're we're doing our social media. I think social media is incredibly powerful. It is the great connector and being able to connect up with with people and, and clients that maybe you haven't spoken with for a while. What's important about social media, especially with agents, is that you have to really do two things you have to be consistent with whatever you're doing because someone isn't always going to see your feed every single day and every single thing that you post. So you need to be consistent and you need to be on the channel that your clients are on. So if you're dealing and working with a lot of baby boomers, you probably want to be on Facebook. If you're working with a lot of Gen X or millennials, you absolutely want to be on Instagram. So even if it means that you're just on one channel it's more important to be on the channels that your clients and your prospective clients are looking at than it is to try and be on everything and we have one agent in Florida her name is Nicole Nickel her Instagram uh, call sign is iheartorlando real estate and she does amazing things on Instagram and she's really used Instagram to successfully build up a referral network and really get herself known in Orlando, but she's worked really hard at that, and that's the one channel that she focuses on, and it works for her. So, as an agent, you need to think about what am I going to work on on a regular basis, and what are my clients using, and then that make, make that your area of focus. Right. And then it's important that you do things that are going to and you tell stories that are going to engage your clients and your prospective clients we're doing I'm doing a webinar with Dan Smith this week and we've been coming up with fun things that you could do in Q4 to generate more referral business and one idea that I was thinking about was to have a home or a house decorating contests. think of the really awesome pictures that you can post. It can be Halloween, it can be Christmas, it can be the holidays, whatever you want. Think of the fun photos that you can post and you can use your social network to help weigh in on who the neighbor who the winner should be. So that's a fun way of telling a story, talking about your neighborhood and your area expertise without necessarily just saying, I can help you buy or sell a home in this neighborhood. It's trying to put that context and that relationship to, to who you are as an agent right. in a virtual way.
0: I love that idea. I want to stray off of referral exchange for a second. Uh, one thing I noticed that you are really involved in, and so I want to talk, get back to your personal life a little bit, is uh, a charity called The Princess Project. And when I saw what it was, yes. it, was, it, was it looked really cool. Can, would you mind sharing with the listeners uh, what that is, what they do, and all that good stuff? Sure.
1: So the Princess Project is an organization that provides free prom dresses to Bay Area teens who can't afford them. I have been the, I'm the most, I'm the immediate past president, I think is my official title. We have, we have new leadership in place this year, still involved. I'm just not the president anymore. I still probably have about 3,000 dresses in my garage at the moment. (laughs) But last year we helped 2,300 teens get free prom dresses. A teenager can spend over $1,000 going to prom nowadays. And quite honestly, many people can't afford to do that. And so we just make it possible and for them to to get a dress and feel great about themselves. We really probably have the best assortment of sizes and styles than any department store uh, in our pop-up store that we do every March because we want everyone to feel amazing and great about themselves in a prom dress, no matter
0: what shape or size they are. That's, I love that. Like if you're in the Northern California area, look up Lisa Fettner on Facebook or Instagram, get connected with her. I'm sure that uh, they're always looking for help. So I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well Lisa, I've had you here over the half hour I asked of your time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up with the same question I've asked every single guest. All 159 previous guests have been asked the same question. And, and <laughs> that is, uh, so no pressure, but you need to give a different answer. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, if if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent in the business, what would it be?
1: Being a successful agent is hard work. And in this day and age of reality TV, I think sometimes those shows don't convey actually just how hard many of those agents work. And so I think if you're going to be a new agent, you have to be prepared to be fierce, fearless, and willing to network your way to success.
0: I love that. You did it. That's a brand new answer, and I love that answer. Well done. Good. Lisa, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: They can email me at lisa at exchange.com. and if they want to learn more about Referral Exchange and to download the resources that I talked about, they just need to go to referalexchange.com and click on the resources link.
0: Lisa, thank you so much for your time, uh, really, and for sharing a very cool opportunity that I'm, I'm just going to guess a, a, a lot of ages don't know about. And so uh, hopefully we can help spread the word a little bit. And, uh, and, I, and, and thank you so much for the Field of Dream story. You absolutely made my day.
1: Oh, so good to know. And thanks for having me on. And, and let me talk about my favorite topic, which is, of course, referrals.